This is Bigger Pockets Daily, expert advice for real estate investors. If you like what you hear, check out biggerpockets.com. I think you'll find a warm, welcoming community, a wealth of data to help you make the best decisions, and calculators to help you analyze deals. We make the blog articles available on this show so you can absorb the information while you're organizing the garage or remodeling your bathroom on this Saturday. Okay, almost time for the show. We'll get right into it after this quick break. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9-to-5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're trying to close on your next rental. So why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Sounding the alarm! Two lines just crossed. Here's why investors need to be really careful. By Paul Moore. You've heard about the blue pill and the red pill, but have you heard about the blue line and the green line? You should, because they recently crossed, which could be disastrous for some real estate investors. And no, I'm not talking about an inverted yield curve. I recently wrote an article about the strange time we're in. There is a predictable disconnect between sellers and buyers, and I warned that it could worsen before it improves. When that article was published, BiggerPockets CEO Scott Trench made the following insightful comment. He says, It's not logical that commercial debt financing has increased from 3% to 5%, while 30-year mortgages, mostly insured by Fannie Mae, have risen from 3 to 6%. The lower-risk lending products insured by Fannie Mae and personally guaranteed by investors are now more expensive than much, much higher-risk ones? The commercial market is out of whack. Interest rates, it seems, must rise past those of 30-year rates. Cap rates have to expand, or new buyers will be severely underwater on all but the most obvious value-add opportunities. 
There is only one way out for the large multifamily buyer today. Extreme rent growth in the 12 to 18 period immediately following acquisition. That's been a winner. We'll see if that continues. The residential buyer at least locks in a 30-year mortgage most of the time and can hold as long as they want, including decades if they need to. Most syndicators don't have that luxury. Their LPs usually aren't that patient, and their debt terms certainly won't be. They will be forced to refinance and or sell at some point. This was great insight from Scott. And my hat's off to you, Scott. And I'm certainly not buttering you up as the bigger pockets boss. Certainly not. We are in the negative equity zone. Green Street is a premier data provider and analyst for the commercial real estate space in the U.S. and Europe. Green Street did a webinar in September called Navigating the Upside Down in Commercial Real Estate. If you've seen Stranger Things, you know this is a strange time indeed. In this webinar, they made a lot of comments about the current strange environment. There's a graph that they showed that shows a significant decline in the projected levered returns. Commercial real estate investors should expect lower returns if currently investing in conventional commercial real estate. Popular investments like multifamily are especially at risk. I've been sounding an alarm bell on this topic for years, even though I wrote a book called The Perfect Investment about multifamily investing in 2016. <laughs> multifamily investing is not perfect if you must overpay to get there. It's just a fact of life. When interest rates go up, investors should expect lower ROIs and less purchase cap rates expand accordingly. That's the situation we're in for syndicators and investors who are paying full price for multifamily and many other commercial assets. Be sure you don't do this, especially right now. Why? All right, I recently heard a multifamily syndicator lament that he had been outbid on a $20 million plus apartment deal in the Midwest. He said the winner outbid him by approximately $2 million and acquired this asset at a 3% cap rate. He said there was not that much value add available. I can imagine how that will end up for their investors. It's hard to imagine that will end well. Now, as I warned and Scott Trench clarified just a few months ago, we're in a strange time where interest rates have gone up dramatically, but cap rates have yet to follow at least not much. So the interest rate should never meet or exceed the cap rate, blue line, green line. For the most part, the cap rate should always exceed the interest rate by what I refer to as a risk premium. In other words, the risk of investing in commercial real estate or any real estate is higher than investing at the risk-free rate buying U.S. treasuries. Therefore, it should significantly exceed the interest rate or blue line. It's actually a little worse than that in this situation, however, because current commercial loans are priced with an additional premium reflecting the additional risk institutional investors see in the commercial space right now. So, interest rates have shot up from 3% to 5%. Cap rates have not followed yet. Why? Well, I think part of the reason is that there's been substantial training, coaching, and excitement in the syndication world over the last decade, especially in multifamily. 
All kinds of new players have thrown their hats in the ring, and many of them didn't experience the pain of the last several recessions, while many of the more experienced cohorts remember those quite well, including yours truly. Many syndicators and their investors are so excited to finally get a chance at a deal. They proceed to pay full asking price or thereabouts for suddenly overpriced commercial real estate assets. Instead of bidding against 60 other well-funded players as before, perhaps they're only duking it out with three or four others. After studying and courting investors and longing for a deal for years, they finally have their chance. But the question is, who is getting the short end of the stick? It may not even be the syndicator, because they often charge hefty acquisition fees, asset management fees, property management fees, and more. Their investors could be victims. I'm doing this podcast today so that you don't become one of them. These new ruse, as I call them, new gurus, sometimes tell investors, it's different this time. Unfortunately, they may believe that themselves. But trees don't grow in the sky. And as economist Howard Stein wryly remarked, if things can't go on forever, they will eventually stop. As I often say, the tide has risen for everyone over the past decade. But as Warren Buffett often says, sometimes the tide will go out and we will see who is swimming naked. We might be coming into a time like this. Negative leverage. Many commercial real estate deals and their investors have entered an era of negative leverage. Negative leverage is when an asset is acquired at a cap rate below the interest rate on the debt used to finance it. R. Wellings Capital Director of Investments, Troy Safka, explained this situation to me. Okay, so in this case, leverage is no longer accretive to the return profile and becomes a burden that puts downward pressure on equity returns, hence the term negative leverage. Furthermore, increased debt service reduces the LTV at which lender-required debt service coverage ratios, DSCRs, can be met, thereby requiring additional equity in the capital stack, further diluting investor returns. One may ask how, then, it could ever make sense to purchase properties using negative leverage. Well, in my experience, one way these sponsors get the investment to pencil is to assume continued rent growth. This growth will eventually result in a forward-looking cap rate, if you will. That is, higher than the interest rate on the debt. In other words, they grow their NOI out of the problem. But this is clearly a risky endeavor when downside potential is governed by market forces outside an operator's control. Another way to justify negative leverage, as Scott Trench said, is with a heavy value-add deal that relies on expeditious execution so that the upside potential mitigates the negative leverage position. Relying on execution to go exactly to plan to protect the downside is also a risky endeavor, especially for many less experienced syndicators, and it often doesn't make sense from a risk-adjusted return perspective. To the first point, I often see offerings that tout the market's historical rent growth, highlighting that Phoenix or Austin, for example, have experienced 18% plus rent growth over the past two years. The inference is that this is somehow indicative of the future, as if this growth rate will continue. This justifies using 8-10% to rent growth in the pro forma underwriting assumptions and calling it 
conservative. In my opinion, the fact that a market has experienced outsized rent growth in recent years is, if anything, indicative of the exact opposite. It can be unsustainable. Rent growth typically stagnates to some extent for equilibrium to be reached. Decreasing housing affordability is a headwind to continuing in-migration to a market, and continued demand growth should, therefore, not be relied upon to sustain outsized rent growth. How can you fail in this environment? Oh, let me count the ways. Acquire a market rate, often brokered, deal with typical leverage at the current interest rate, Make a bad situation worse by adding an extra layer of preferred equity to compensate for increased rates, lower allowable leverage, and falling return projections. Drag a bunch of unsuspecting passive investors into the mix, promising them a great opportunity to create income and grow their wealth. These are known as victims. Worst of all, be that unsuspecting victim. How can you succeed in this environment? Acquire an off-market, under-managed, under-priced deal with lots of predictable upside. Create that upside through your experienced team and well-honed process. Acquire those through preferable loan terms, like owner-financed or assumable debt. Or acquire for cash and refinance someday. Or hold in cash. Invest with an experienced syndicator or fund manager who specializes in all of these areas. A final word about banks. Banks aren't stupid. As the largest investors in most commercial real estate deals, banks are obviously wary of making bad deals and losing money. Many of their junior staff weren't around for past downturns. Some are still eager to make loans, hit their quotas, etc. But most banks have some seasoned professionals who have been around the block. Many of them are tightening the commercial lending noose as we speak, so watch for a significant decrease in lenders willing to make commercial loans in the coming days. It has already started. Conservative bankers often overreact to cover their risk. So, it is possible that many of these bad deals won't even get to closing, which could protect some of you from a bad investment. But please, don't trust bankers to protect you from harm. Instead, do your own due diligence. Learn to be an intelligent investor and partner with others who have successfully weathered these storms in past decades. Pain plus years equals wisdom. At least in some cases. All right, that's it for this show. But remember, we have a whole library of episodes with timeless information about how to grow your real estate portfolio so you can enjoy the life you were meant to live. Just tap all episodes in your podcast app or scroll back in the feed to check out an older but still evergreen show. Otherwise, dear listener, until tomorrow.